Hello and welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Pekosek. Today we are joined by a guest from the other side of the world talking about how to get going with side hustles. Rosie McCarthy is an ex-corporate recruiter and HR professional turned online career coach for millennials and Gen Z, specialized in helping people figure out what they truly want out of their careers, brand themselves, and then go out and get it. Originally from New Zealand, Rosie has her master's degree in HR from the Sorbonne University in Paris and 10 years of experience working for multinationals, tech startups, and Fortune 500 companies like L'Oreal and the Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy Group. Quite the name. Certified in neuroscience-based coaching, Rosie geeks out on human psychology and behavior and leverages this to help people effectively sell themselves and land their next dream job. She's also a certified side hustler, having multiple side ventures on top of her nine to five, including a personal YouTube channel with over 120,000 subscribers. So she is always down to talk all things side hustle, online business, and entrepreneurship. She joins us from Wellington, New Zealand. Rosie, welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me on your super cool podcast. Appreciate that. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Can you kind of share, I know we hinted at, a, at your background a little bit here, but can you talk a little more about your story to our dear listener? Yeah, of course. And yeah, the bio sums it up, uh, you know, quite a lot of my journey, but I'll give you some behind the scenes, I guess, sure. for, you know, a few critical moments, because I know that it's always interesting to people listening to this podcast. Okay, so what were the decisions and when and why and all that kind of thing? I'll try and keep it short, but Basically, um, when I was studying in high school, I really thought I wanted to be a doctor, right? I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. That's my thing. It wasn't my dream. It was my mum's dream for me. Mm. <laughs> Classic, like, like you're relatively smart, be a doctor. Um, so <laughs> she was really pushing me towards that. Um, and I kind of had a, yeah, a freak out basically a few weeks before, uh, before leaving to study. I got into first year med and I was like, okay, I can't do this. Um, you know, I, I get tears in my eyes when I see like sad ads on TV or if I see, you know, a homeless person or something, I literally like start crying. I was like, I just don't think I'm made for this. I'm too sensitive, sensitive. and um, I just kind of had a freak out. I was like, I can't do this. I don't know what to do with my life. So I basically just followed my friends to university in Wellington here in New Zealand. And I was like, I don't know what to do. Um, but luckily I had the reflex of going to the careers service department and really sitting down with people to understand who I was as a person. And that was my first taster of this kind of work. And we went through and did my MBTI profile and some other assessments and some coaching. And basically they were like, look, you're either made for HR or psychology. And I was mm -hmm. like, okay, so I'm gonna do a bachelor's degree in commerce majoring in HR and I'll do a bachelor of science in psychology. Sound good? Uh, give that a go. Let's see, I can always change later, but basically it, I found my thing. Um, cool. I was away. I loved it. Was consuming it. Mm. Just, I was like, this is it. Yeah, this is this feels so good. I was. I found it interesting and fascinating. I'm not saying I was a perfect student. Definitely pulled all nighters and <laughs> had a healthy dose <laughs> of procrastination, all that good stuff. But I loved what I was doing. And because I found it relatively early on, I actually started um, volunteering for this graduate sort of career service, and. Um, focus like focusing on helping the recruitment side of things and placing uh, recent graduates into roles and then I actually in my last few years of, of university was working uh, part-time 20 hours a week as an actual recruitment recruiter here in government so all of this to say is that when you find your thing and things just start falling into place you can make those decisions I think that that 
you know, set you up really. So I was very, very lucky in that respect. Um, after uni, I got into a graduate program. So it was a sort of business graduate program, but focused in HR. And that was fantastic. I would recommend that any day of the week because every six months for two years, I tried a different area of HR. Mm. So I started off in change management and then I went on the manufacturing site and I was an HR generalist for people driving trucks and working in factories and then straight up to corporate working in talent, talent de development for our like high potentials in corporate. And, you know, so the contrast was incredible and I was really able to learn a lot about myself doing that. Now something kind of outside of my control happened um, <laughs> eight years ago and I met my French boyfriend, now husband, but <laughs> boyfriend at the time, he was um, over here in New Zealand and I made a very big uh, decision for my career and I decided, you know what, New Zealand sucks, it's so small, it's so boring, I want to go to Europe, I want to go and follow this guy to France, like if it works out, fine, cool, but otherwise I would have done something cool for my career. And uh, obviously there's visa issues and that kind of stuff. And I found the easiest way to get in was to study. Um, so I started looking for programs over in France and this is incredible guys. If you ever want to do your master's degree, look at France because they have an incredible system called uh, the apprentissage system or apprenticeship system and you work and study. And what it means is for example, I, I did my master's in international human resource management um, and the fees were 10,000 euros, but because you partner with a company, the company pays your fees and they pay you a monthly living wage. So I got 1500 euros a month, um, wow. while studying, even when I was at school. So I was at school for three to three months and still receiving my wage from my company. And then I went in and worked with them. And basically you're in the company three weeks, um, in the school for one week, back to the company, back to the school. And the whole idea is you write your master's thesis for the company. Um, so that's the kind of win-win scenario and it's incredible so i did that and that's when i was working at a uh, louis vuitton at hennessy group which uh obviously they own um a lot of french luxury brands yeah. so like dior and, and givenchy and galon and and that was that was crazy for me because before that i was working in food and beverage in new zealand like working with farmers and working with milk products and you know really on the ground on the manufacturing sites and 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 that kind of world. And then I was in this like high class, like French luxury group where we were literally going to castles to run our trainings. You know, it was just cool. out of this world. Mm. It was, yeah, it was insane. Right. And it was um, obviously at that point dealing with a lot of imposter syndrome, dealing with a lot of hard stuff um, um, in that way, but I wouldn't trade it for the world in terms of personal growth. And long story short, after that, um, I wanted to have the whole startup experience. I was like, no, I want something more modern and agile and cool. And, and so I went and worked for a, um, a tech startup in France. It's kind of a competitor to Spotify. So it's called Deezer. It's a music streaming platform. That was super cool. I covered someone's maternity leave. And again, my lesson would be like, don't hesitate to do fixed term contracts because it's a wonderful way for you to try something. Mm -hmm. uh, no strings attached almost because at the end I did get offered a permanent position and I turned it down because I realized I was like, actually, it's really nice to have the resources that these big companies have. I love the scrappiness. I love the innovation. I love having to do things with zero budget. But it, <laughs> at the same time, I was like, offered a job with L'Oreal and they were like, okay, so your first project um, is developing a mobile application for the group. You have a budget of 200,000 euros, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, whoa, like the star contrast was just insane. So I was like, I think I want to play in a big group for a while. 
um, and explored that. So I, that's at that point I went to L'Oreal and I was there for four years uh, before very ironically following my husband back to New Zealand because he got a job back here <laughs> um, and, and starting my own thing as a career coach. Wow. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that story because I think just we haven't even really scratched the side hustle part of this interview, but you've yeah, already shared, you've already shared some really <laughs> impressive, not just impressive, but key learnings for people who are just sort of starting out or are early on in their careers. And maybe they have certain voices in their head saying, I can't do this. I should be doing that. And your mm. career story is really kind of about knocking all of those voices out and doing things anyway. And mm. it, like, whether it's from going from one industry to the next, or one continent to another. Mm. I just like, just to pause on what you've said here and acknowledge that there's just a lot in your story that people can learn from. I appreciate mm. what you just said. So thank you. Yeah. And just to add to that too, I think that it's really cool that you did find mm -hmm. what you were looking for so early on and still mm -hmm. had all of these amazing experiences. Sometimes people think that when you find that thing, you have to be mm. stuck then. Yeah. Mm, in one yeah. area or one role and you've really shown that it, it can go in so many different directions oh absolutely there's once you find your thing it's almost like a frame but there's so much area in that frame to play and experiment mm -hmm. i'm such a big fan of the experiment and where the side hustle comes in i actually so while i was living in france uh, three years ago now i started my youtube channel about French culture, French language, what it was like as a as an expat living in France, and and that really blew up. But um, yeah, no. So I'm I'm a big fan of trying things and 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 just giving it a go, and, and every single time just learning that much more about yourself. Mm -hmm. Cool. I think we're going to touch upon that topic again as we get into the real meat and potatoes of this. So mm. let's let's talk about the side hustle. How do you define yeah. the concept of a side hustle? Yeah, sure. So I guess um, a side hustle is a side project that you're doing on top of your day job or on top of your studies. It's something you've got brimming on the side. It's not your your full, you know, full main focus, but it's on the side. But the difference between it being a sort of passion project or a hobby mm -hmm. is that it's able to be monetized. Um, either you currently monetize it or it has the potential to be monetized and you're working towards that. Um, so for example, if you love knitting and you're doing knitting 20 hours a week that's a hobby but if you are using that passion of yours to create a youtube channel where you teach others how to knit and you sell at five dollars a pop um really cool and creative uh downloadable patterns for that knitting that's a side hustle cool i think that's an important distinction because because i think it's easy to sort of trick yourself into thinking that you're doing something that has that true side hustle vibe but isn't like you're not actually taking the business steps that are involved mm. in in creating a real side hustle so i appreciate that clarification so according to you why even have a side hustle in the first place i find this question so hard because there are so many reasons and i don't want to speak for about like you know two hours on it but <laughs> i guess the main one is um i love the feeling of having that autonomy and ownership over something it's yours and you're you're free without that you know without that manager watching or whatever whatever it is but you're free to test things and try things and fail and learn from it and it's just a really cool space to learn and play 
um, you know, as a, as a full-time HR professional on the side with my YouTube channel, I was learning about digital marketing, SEO, video editing, like so many things that I'd never had the chance to learn within my nine to five. So mm -hmm. um, that was fantastic. Of course, there's the financial aspect as well. I, with the extra cash coming in from my YouTube channel, I was able to pay off my student loan twice as fast. I was traveling throughout Europe. Um, so that was really nice, like having that supplemental income. And of course, you know, that that feeling when I when I eventually had built it up, I was at about 100,000 subscribers when I left to come back to New Zealand. Um, I knew that, yes, I knew I wanted to start up my career coaching thing, but I had an option. And if I wanted to, I could have gone all in and gone full time on that YouTube channel. So when life changes and I don't know, you get made redundant or you want to move overseas or whatever mm -hmm. it is, something happens, your family moves, you have an option, which is just a really good feeling, I think. That's a great point that you you don't even think about when it comes to a side hustle. A lot of people think, oh, it's just extra money, but having that security is also huge. Mm, yeah, and the way you're able to kind of build up your talent stack and build mm -hmm. up those skills, you're, you're really future-proofing yourself either, yeah, because you can pivot and go all in, or it will tide you over while you're job hunting, or because it just looks great on your CV or your LinkedIn profile. Um, you know, if you are ever unemployed, that you had your own thing going on and you're still learning and growing and developing and all of that good stuff. It's, I, I'm finding it difficult to find a reason not to have a side hustle. <laughs> sure. Yeah. When you actually put it that way, that's probably like in terms of the skill stack. I mean, is that how you said mm. it? Because that's a great term. Um, but I took a job three months ago. And now that I think about it, the thing that was on my CV that was probably most relevant to my current employer might be the fact that I'm doing this career coaching on the side that mm. that might be it actually. So I, I totally resonate with what you've just said there in terms of just, even if you're not making tons of money, let's say you're doing something that's going to benefit you in other parts of your life for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Cool. So we've talked about some of the benefits, but what are some of the drawbacks of starting a side hustle? Yeah, so the, the immediate one that comes to mind is the time sacrifice. So I'd be lying to you if I said it didn't take some kind of organization and, and making that work around your current commitments and making choices about that um, and prioritizing. So there's definitely the time input. Um, but again, like I'd much rather be doing that than binging three hours of Netflix at night mm -hmm. or maybe just binge one episode and then work on my side hustle. <laughs> um, and then there's also something around like, it's, it's a good thing but it does test your, um, you know, it gets you out of your comfort zone and it gets you trying things and failing a lot and making mistakes and going through all those growth pains. Um, so obviously I think that can only ever be a good thing, but you almost have to be mentally prepared for that, that that's part of the game and part of the fun mm -hmm. and really take on that growth mindset of what am I learning? How can I grow from this? what like what will I do differently next time rather than being like oh I tried something that's not working I suck mm. um a lot of people want to start that podcast or or start something and they kind of the thing with side hustles and business growth in general is that you've got to put a lot of love and passion into it and really water it for a long time before you know it's people look at like influencers on Instagram or YouTubers and they're like oh what an easy thing to do <laughs> um and they don't often see the hours and hours and years that got went into it. And then suddenly, yeah, maybe one video took off or maybe, yeah. you know, something happened, but um, it's a lot of, yeah, a lot of 
effort and energy um, for what might feel like little return. So you've got to want to love that growth and learning piece and yeah, be prepared to kind of put your ego aside a little bit and be like, you know what, I'm going to suck at this at first and that's okay. I love that. And I think it's important to talk about the drawbacks because a lot of times people will look at entrepreneurship or side hustles and think, oh, it's all roses and, Mm. you know, rainbows. But when it comes down to it, it's important to also know that it is difficult as well. Mm, Definitely. Cool. I've heard you talk about three different broad categories of side hustling. Can you tell us what those three are and dive into each one a bit? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, there, I mean, in terms of the concept of side hustle, it's so, so broad, right? I mean, you could essentially say that, you know, driving Uber is a side hustle and renting out your spare room on Airbnb is a side hustle. But when I think about the three big categories of side hustle, I'm really talking about uh, the side hustles in which you can pursue a passion and do something that's really aligned to your purpose and allows you to explore that part of yourself. So the three main ways would be being a freelancer, being a content creator, or being a, managing a kind of product-based um, e-commerce store. So I'll quickly mm-hmm. touch on each of those. So the freelancer, the freelancer is trading their skills on the market for money, basically. And this is, um, this is either skills that you already have or skills that you'd be willing to learn. And just to make it really concrete, I thought I'd take the example of my online career coaching business, Badass Careers. Okay, so who are the people, if I had unlimited resources, who would I hire? So I would hire a photographer to take photos of me for my website, for Instagram, all of that good stuff. I would hire um, an Instagram manager to help create really cool quotes and shareable graphics and lay out those photos of me and the quotes on a beautiful aesthetic feed and then would work together to write the captions, but that actually go away and write the captions for me. That would be awesome. Um, <laughs> I would hire perhaps a copywriter. So a copywriter, someone who's um, incredible at writing and has a gift for gift for words. And I would get on the phone with them and ex- explain a, an, a big idea that I had and they would go and, and ghostwrite an article for me mm-hmm. that I could post on LinkedIn and position myself as a thought leader. You get the point. They're basically, you know, I'd hire a graphic designer, I'd hire a web developer. This is my my, my dream list. But there are so many skills out there that people need your help with. And whether that be you're excellent at photography or writing or graphic design or coding, um, it's it's incredible. And what I'm finding is that the side hustle world and online entrepreneurship world is really creating a lot of these like new economies. Like I have, um, I know someone who has a full-time person on their team who edits their website and make sure that everything they put on there is optimized for search so that they're ranking on Google like just um and these kinds of things I don't like I they weren't available to study when I was studying mm-hmm. you know they're new they're new skills and new professions so it's just it's literally the only thing between you starting up something is just learning about it and thanks to MOOCs and online courses and thanks to YouTube and thanks to all these things you can essentially learn any skill and just start and just start working with clients for free and then see the results and get the feedback and testimonials and then build from there. So that's the first one. The second one is the content creator. So um, the YouTubers, the podcasters, the bloggers, the, you know, putting out their thought leadership, their expertise or the entertainment, whatever it is, but creating content and putting that out to the world, usually in a specific niche, the best, the most successful ones are things that solve people's problems. So for example, if you, if all of your friends are always coming to you because you're just the go-to person on, um, I don't know, you, you make killer smoothies, right? Like you are the smoothie queen and every Sunday you have a brunch at your place and people are like, what's the smoothie of the week? Mm. Hey, 
maybe that's your thing. Maybe you could create a whole thing or a blog around amazing recipes, whatever. So it's about um, creating that content, however that looks to you. So some people show up every day on LinkedIn, some people are, are on YouTube, but the whole concept of this one is you solve a problem or you, you create a community around a specific topic. So in my case and or our case, it's this around careers and growth and development and all that good stuff. Um, and then once you've got that loyal tribe and you've given them loads of values and tips, they'll start telling you what they'd like to see more of, right? So I'm having people coming to me saying, I would love a course on how you do your CV resumes. You know, I like, I love mm. the look of them. What's your secret source? I can't, maybe I can't afford to work with you, but I'd love a, like a, like, you know, an entry level course on that. Could you create that for me? And when that starts happening, um, you can start answering their needs and being like, yes, I will create that course for you one day um, <laughs> and, and, and kind of answer to that. So there's that kind of concept. The things you can create and sell, I would say, would be like online courses. You could sell services, so coaching services. And a lot of people think, oh, I need to be 50 years old to be a coach. Hmm. That's not the case. You just need to be a few steps ahead of someone else. So I've seen like Instagram growth coaches who have 10,000 followers. There are plenty of people out there who would love to get their first 10,000 followers. You know, you don't need to have a million followers to get started. Um, you can sell PDF, like downloads, eBooks, the whole shebang. So that's this kind of second model. Um, and obviously there's, when it comes to podcasts and YouTube, YouTubers and all that kind of stuff, there's brand sponsorships and, and ads that you can run on your videos and it's just endless. Um, yeah. And then the third kind of category I would say, uh, would really be around creating sort of online e-commerce stores, um, around you could like either have downloadable. So for example, maybe you do killer meal planners, um, or, or, or organization templates. So agendas and diaries and all of that kind of stuff, or you can sell kind of physical stuff like merch. So t-shirts, mugs, tote bags, maybe you've got a killer sense of humor and mm. some graphic design skills there. Um, I actually have a friend who, um, she has a health condition called endometriosis and, um, she's also really skilled in graphic design. And so she came up with some just really simple, but really empowering like t-shirt slogans for women suffering with the same mm -hmm. condition and, and kind of creating that tribe effect and selling those. So it can be really kind of related to your story. Um, but what's really cool about that is that these days, um, we've got something called drop shipping, which means you can design something. Um, upload it to an image on a website, like it will be a t-shirt, it might be a tote bag, it might be a mug. And if someone buys that, um, you don't even see the, like, see the product or touch it or need to have the inventory or anything. The website will, will organize that, they'll print it, they'll ship it out for you and that kind of thing. And they'll basically just give you a cut. So for example, if you sell a t-shirt for $25 and it's got your design on it, they'll keep 20 and you'll get five. Um, so it's just an interesting way to do it that's completely risk-free because there's literally zero mm. startup costs. Yeah. So yeah, there's plenty of options out there, but all of those are really exciting uh, options for people wanting to dabble in the side hustle. Wow. Oh, cool. Yeah. You've definitely given, I'm sure uh, many listeners, some ideas there just off of that great breakdown. What about, yeah. go ahead. I was, no. just gonna, I was just gonna say, I hope it's not overwhelming because that's a, like, I'm sure I'm sure we're gonna get to that, but people are like, but what do I do? And we yeah. will get to that because there's, there's a lot of uh, stuff going on. For sure. Just before we do, um, I'm curious to know, like in your own journey, what are some of the big challenges that you have faced specifically as a mm. side hustler? Yeah, so I've definitely had like the mini tantrums before. <laughs> like figuring out that I need to learn how to do something, another mm. thing, 
and being like, oh my gosh, like starting from scratch again, it's almost like I kind of view it as like you have a hills to climb and you've just got into the top of one and you're cruising down the bottom and you get confronted with another big hill and you're like, yeah. okay, I'm going to have to learn how to do that now and then that now because the thing is, there's always more things to do, always things you can improve and, um, you know, just taking the you know, YouTube, I didn't know how to edit videos three years ago. I had no idea. I'd never edited a video in my life. So that was a huge learning curve. But then you get, and then I had to learn like, okay, so now, now I can create the videos, but I need them to be seen. So I need them to show up in search and YouTube is owned by Google. So you've mm -hmm. got to um, use a lot of keywords and optimize it for search and make sure that it's showing up. When people search it, like search French culture shots, I want my videos to be showing up as a suggested search result, right? Mm. So there's a whole thing to master behind the scenes when it comes to that. So I was like, oh my gosh, here we go again. And so that was really, and that is fun. It's part of the fun, but sometimes like you're a little bit like, really, there's still, it feels like there's still so far to go. So you just have to kind of keep the faith that and enjoy the journey, you know? So I definitely had moments where I was like, what have I gotten myself into? It's, it's too much, you know? And it just kind of, it kind of felt like I was just kept opening new boxes and yeah, it just felt a bit messy at times. So I definitely had moments, but so worth it. I'm so happy I persisted. Um, yeah, so that was probably the main one. And then the second one is just around um, time. Because when you are working on something that you're so passionate about, it can be really addictive. And you're seeing the fruits of your labor and you're seeing, yeah, you're getting that feedback and real people are starting to comment and whatever it is. And it, and it, it can um, consume a lot of your life if you let it. So mm -hmm. it's really important um, so on one hand, you've got to make the time for it. On the other other hand, you've got to set the boundaries and be like, okay, that's enough and I'm capping it at this because, um, you know, I could have, you know, lost <laughs> friendships and, you know, because I was, I was all consumed at some point and I found myself, I was like, oh, I don't want to go out to this dinner. I want to keep doing my videos. <laughs> um, and that's, that's cool at first, but it's not sustainable. Yeah. Hmm. Thanks for sharing that because it's, and we've talked about it a bit, but you're just, it's not always glitz and glamour. And so mm. thank you for just sharing some of those really more personal sides, drawbacks of this journey. Yeah. But it sounds like you've grown through them as well. Hitting some of these mountains. How did you, how did you keep yourself going through those? Um, so when it comes to motivation, I mean, my answer is always the same is that you've got to be clear on your why, why are you doing this? What's the bigger purpose? So for some people it might be, you know, I'm currently working in, in, um, HR and I want to get into marketing. Um, and that's my reason. And by doing the side hustle, I'm going to build up my, my, my stack and I'm going to be able to make that pivot. And that's going to be so, so useful for me. And I can see that I can see that long-term goal. So that might be it. Um, for me, it was a few things. So, um, like with, I mean, with badass careers, for example, that's been a huge learning curve for me, but my why is just constantly the same, which is I'm on a mission to help people find work that they love, you know, and help them land those opportunities. And you just have to have that bigger picture in mind that, you know, when you're putting things out there and not getting any responses and, and you feel like it's going nowhere for eight months and stuff, you've got to remember why you're doing things and really connect to that. And with not even French, um, I mean, what was really interesting for me, um, like there were, there were lots of reasons why I was doing that. I had a whole thing of like, okay, I've been living away now for when I started at five years and, uh, it's such a shame that I haven't, um, 
you know, captured my learnings and I haven't used it to help other expats or other people moving mm. to France who might go through all of the, the culture shocks and all of the strange growing pains that I did. Um, so I really wanted to help them. And at the same time, I was like, wow, imagine if this could become one day a full-time thing and I could actually travel between New Zealand and France. Um, you know, I'm married to a French guy, that's complicated. So, you know, and so I had that as well. I was like, I'm building up something that might enable me to be able to go home more often when I was still living in France. So that, whatever it is for you, whether that's growth, whether that's career opportunities, whether it's personal, you've got to tap into a bigger picture. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Do you have any mentors who have helped you along the way to carry on with these various side hustles? Yeah, so I mean, I I have explored the spaces. Whenever I want to learn something, I start looking for my like experts and gurus online. And I do have a lot of mentors and they probably don't even know that they're my mentors because mm. I really look up to these online uh, content creators who have been guiding me along the way. So um, I'll just name a few in case it's useful to the listeners. So um, an amazing side hustle coach who's really focused on the whole idea of a passion-led side hustle and how to get started and, and creates content purely around that. Her name is Ruby Lee. She's fantastic. Um, I have a, a mentor who I watch regularly. I, I've seen every single video. Her name is Vanessa Lau, and she is specialized in um, online business and growing your business via Instagram. And now she's niched down even further, and she helps coaches to set up um, businesses and grow via Instagram. So mm. she's huge in my life. Um, just in terms of yeah, Instagram growth in general and, and social media and being able to connect with your audience and really um, un listen to your audience and understand their needs and really um, get to know them as people. I recommend Rachel Bell. Uh, she's fantastic. I can give you all these names and maybe you can drop them in there in the notes of the of the Definitely. episode as well and then in terms of growing on youtube my number one guru um she's a real up-and-comer but she is um she's absolutely blown up over the last six months i'm really happy for her her name is Catherine manning and uh, she used to go by the name the content bug and she has the most insane videos on how to grow on youtube and she really shows you behind the scenes and the analytics and everything and she's wonderful so mm. i just kind of yeah once i started to get a feel for what i wanted to do i found my gurus and i'm pretty loyal to them that's so cool it's amazing how we can find and that i think i sometimes i talk about the the best part of growing up is actually being able to choose now how you want to learn for the rest of your life and the people that you get to learn from and those are some pretty cool people and we will definitely make sure they are mentioned in our show notes and i think it's also great to to point out that you can have mentors who are not in your direct circle mm -hmm. because a lot of people think you know i have to know somebody but as long as you build your group of influences based on what it is that you really want to learn or what you want to do that can really help direct you. So that's really cool to hear. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Can you dive in a little bit into what some of the most significant learning outcomes of your side hustle journey have been in your life? Yeah. So aside from all of the, you know, the increased confidence and, oh, wow, I'm capable of that. Who would have thought? And <laughs> the hard skills and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I think it's just a really exciting thing. Like the, the penny really dropped for me, like, wow, we can do this. Like if we have an internet connection 
we can create our own mini economies, we can create our own roles if we want to, uh, we can explore things in a way and get feedback from real people and communities um, from our laptops. And it just blew my mind actually that, you know, from sitting in my, my lounge, filming one story a week about my life in France, that I could connect with so many people, you know, and, and actually, yeah, monetize that and, and have, and make, be making, um, you know, enough that I was like, wow, if I go full-time, I could have a full-time salary here. It was just, it was just kind of mind-blowing that we live in this world with these unprecedented opportunities. Um, mm -hmm. And a big learning for me as well is um, kind of smashing down the, the concept of what it means to be an expert. So again, we've all got these limiting beliefs of, I can't, I can't talk about it yet because I don't know everything or I haven't been working in that for 20 years or I haven't been, and you know, like I see people like career coaches on LinkedIn who are currently still students, you know, mm -hmm. it's like there's, there's no limit to your potential. And if you're just a few steps ahead of someone, you're an expert for those first few steps. You know, if you've lived through that um, and if you've got experience to share and if you, if you landed that job in Google, then you, you, you've got, you're an, you've become an expert on that. So I'd really encourage people to think about their stories and their experiences and that kind of thing because being an expert does not mean you have a PhD in it being an expert means that you can help people achieve similar results so I'd really um yeah challenge that and just be like you don't need to know everything about the whole topic to I don't hell I don't know everything about careers you know I'm learning still I, I I started from a starting point because I knew I knew some stuff and I and I loved it but I'm, I'm reading books and listening to podcasts. I'm constantly upskilling myself. And then I share with my community and then I share back and I share back. So you build your expertise and then your, your people come with you and that's okay. Mm -hmm. So for somebody who's looking to get started with a side hustle, what would you say are the best first steps? Yeah, so this is a this is interesting because as a career coach, I've realized it's really similar to figuring out what you want to do for your job as well. But the first step is knowing yourself really, really well. So don't think about a lot of people jump to the solution. They're like, should I do a podcast? Should I no, we're not even there yet. The first step is to figure out it's it's like the equivalent of jumping on the job boards. No, <laughs> we don't start here. We start with you. So we figure out who you are, what are your strengths, what comes naturally to you, what are your values, what are the causes that you care about, um, where in the world would you love to see the most change happen, all of these big questions and start diving into this because that's where the clarity starts to bubble up. A huge thing, as I was saying, is what are your stories, what are your life experiences? Um, you know, it can be something like, you know, you lost your dad really young and now you help other people who have been in that horrible situation get through that grief. Maybe it can be that, um, you know, you're later on in life and you've had kids and um, all of your friends are constantly asking you, how did you get your babies to sleep through the night so fast? You're amazing. You're a wizard with that. And maybe you become a baby sleep coach. Like, who knows what it will be, but you have to know who you are first and which parts of your stories story is interesting and where you've developed some kind of expertise or some kind of knowledge and what people come to you and ask you questions about and all of that good stuff. So there's a lot of introspection that happens up front. The next step would then be like, okay, so how could I help people? Or what, what, are, what would be some problems that I could solve? So 
for example, um, let's take a copywriter example. So there are a lot of entrepreneurs out there, online entrepreneurs who want to show up on LinkedIn and be seen as an expert and thought leader in their field, but they can't find the time. So I'll have a chat with them and talk to them and get their ideas out on paper and I'll write the articles for them. You know, so it's like, how can you take your skill? So maybe you're interested in LinkedIn as a platform, maybe you know you can write, and then how can you start brainstorming? Okay, so who might be out there who has a problem that I could help with and I could solve? And you do this by doing market research, right? You have a hypothesis about the kind of things you could help in, mm. and you start talking to a range of people and being like, if I could bring these skills to you as a university lecturer or as an online entrepreneur or you know, speak to a range of different people, where could I help you? What, where would you love to see these skills and, and how, and you'll get clarity through that as well. And you can also do a lot of online research um, and, and sort of reverse engineer what other people are doing. So, you know, when I was starting my career coaching thing, I was like, okay, who out here is already doing career coaching and what are they doing? And I'd be like, okay, so this person is really specialized in helping females get promotions in the workplace. That's really interesting. Could I do that? Yeah. Does it interest me the most? Not sure. Keep looking and sort of get inspired and, and see the books that have been written on this topic and see the online courses that are available on, on sites like Skillshare and Udemy and all of these things. Like when you see that there's um, things that have been created about around it, like courses and books, it means that there's a demand out there. It means that there's a market out there and people are, are interested in consuming this kind of uh, topic. And what I would say is if there's competition out there, please do not say, oh, damn, someone's already thought of it. Mm -hmm. Because if there's competition out there, that's such a good sign. It means A, that there's a market and that people need this and people need people like you. And B, you're going to have virtual colleagues one day. Yeah. And there are other cool people out there doing just what you're doing and on the same mission as you. Because it can be lonely as well if you're doing this full time, right? Mm -hmm. um, so all of this to say that it's like first figure out who you are and then see what's happening on the market and be inspired by that. And that would be the, I won't go into the whole process because again, it's a whole nother podcast episode, but those would be the first steps to take and it will start to give, give you that initial clarity. That's awesome. And I love your point on the competition. I remember when I was first starting out, there was another career coach in Toronto and she had a hundred thousand followers on her YouTube channel. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's no room for me here. <laughs> and I, I was working with a coach at the time and they helped me to see that it's just opportunity that that, just like you said, that means there's a market for it. And so it, yeah. it's really important. And literally no one has your voice and literally no one has mm -hmm. your story, your background, your experiences. And for whatever reason, it's not personal, but someone might just relate to you a little bit more than that person. And there's no way um, that that person could ever serve 100,000 people per year. You know, so for all the people that she says yes to, there'll be three times as much who she says, sorry, no, I can't. I'm at full capacity or you're not quite the right fit for me. I don't specialize in top executives or I don't specialize in millennials. And then you're like, hey, that's exactly what I do. So, you know, um, yeah, there's... Oh, the, the the internet is vast and there is more than enough room for everyone. Yeah. No kidding. Love that. What you've said in the last five or so minutes has probably taken me close to two years to figure out in a very lonely, painful way. And so mm. for our dear listener, I hope you just take note because, oh, you just saved yourself a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I digress. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any time management tips for people who have a full-time job and a side hustle? Because I can see both sides where it's 
like you said, you can get addicted to it, but it mm. also can be really tough. You get home from work, you're drained. Mm. How do you, how have you worked through that yourself? Yeah. So when I was doing my YouTube channel and it really took off, um, I was working a very, very busy job at L'Oreal. I'm not going to lie. It was a, it wasn't a nine to five. <laughs> it was a, it was a nine to eight. Um, so I had to be quite strategic with my time. You have to know who you are as a person in terms of your energy level. So I'm not a morning person. Um, I thrive in the evenings. I'm a night owl. So um, whatever that looks like for you. So I would promise myself that four out of five days a week, I would spend 30 minutes in the evening after work working on my side hustle and it takes sacrifice. So again, instead of, you know, uh, watching that episode of your favorite Netflix and then like being like, oh, should we just tickly watch the second one? Come on, let's just keep going. <laughs> you have to kind of have some sort of discipline and be like, okay, stop. I'm going to have, yes, I'm going to unwind and that kind of thing. Um, but first I'd kind of, well, you eat really late in France. So what I would do is I'd finish work and stuff and then I'd work on my side hustle. Um, even just thinking about it, it doesn't have to be like, it's not even typing on a document. It can even just be ideating while I'm cooking. It can be just, but I'm going to dedicate some presence to this 30 minutes um, a day, about four days a week. And then on the weekend, when I was in the real growth phase of my, because there's always going to be a growth phase and then kind of a maintenance phase. So it, it may sound, sound strange, but um, maintaining my channel now of 120,000 subscribers takes very, very little work compared to when it was, I, I was having to learn everything and figure everything out. But when I was in the growth phase, um, I would probably, I would dedicate my Sunday afternoons to it. Um, obviously, unless I had like a, a weekend away or a birthday party or something like that, but um, I had to set boundaries with the people in my life and say, I've got this thing happening for me. I really believe in it. I'm really excited by it. Um, just heads up for the next few months. Um, Sundays are out for me. So let's, yeah, we'll do, we'll do Saturdays. We'll do whatever, but um, we'll catch up for lunches. But um, my Sundays are going to be my sacred Sundays and sorry in advance, but this is really important to me. And everyone's just like, yeah, go you. Like, I wish I, you know, would be so disciplined. So um, to be honest, there, there's no easy answer because there's no magic wand. Um, you just have to make decisions about how much time you're going to dedicate to it. But I would, I would recommend um, 10 hours a week. Awesome. Good to know. Yeah. Super useful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Rosie, tell us what would you say is the most fun that you've had in your career? Um, so two things come to mind. So I remember when I was working at L'Oreal and I had my first kind of international trips and I got flown to Shanghai to, to run a conference and I, and, I, and I went to Mumbai and India. And I remember that being my dream for so, so long, which was being able to travel through work. Um, and when that was happening and I was kind of sitting on that plane going to these destinations, I definitely had moments of like, like giddy, like, like I want to scream, I'm so excited. Um, so yeah, that was, that was absolutely a highlight for me. And then um, just recently, actually like literally last week, I, I launched my um, my career coaching program called the Career Glow Up, and honestly, that was just months and months of like listening and listening to people and what they needed, and mm -hmm. and having a vision and everything, and seeing that come to life. And of course, I'm incredibly biased because it's my thing. Um, but when you when you put so much heart and soul into something and you see it come to life, and people be like, "This is what I've been looking for. Thank you so much," mm -hmm. and stuff. I was just that. Hi, I was, I was doing happy dances. I was, you know, and it, it, it's, 
crazy to say, when did you have the most fun in your career? It's like, well, I was at home alone doing dances to myself <laughs> in my bedroom. But it's about helping it. people, right? It's about being like, oh my gosh, like I can't wait to work with these people. So yeah, that was definitely a highlight as well. Very so cool. cool. What would you say is the biggest risk that you've taken in your career so far? And how did that turn out? Oh my gosh, moving to France, <laughs> moving to France. I was, I was like doing great in my graduate program. I was kind of, um, you know, identified, I guess, as an up and coming and, you know, as, as someone who really cared about the career and wanted to do great things at the company. And um, after the graduate program, obviously they'd invested so much into you and the guilt I felt resigning was immense. Um, and moving to France, just not speaking a word of French, not knowing anyone except for this, like, French boyfriend I had had for six months like like it was it was a risk you know this is this is kind of like i looking back I'm like god I didn't know you had that like those guts like how, how did that happen um but um oh my gosh like I would I would just recommend it so much in terms of not necessarily going to Paris but moving abroad and like the empathy I have now because yeah. I understand that people think differently from different cultures and we all work differently and there's no right or wrong and learning a second language which is just such a such a joy and um and being able to connect with new people and just open-mindedness and curiosity and travel and all those good things um fed me as a person and therefore my career and it pushed me to work for you know you can't find companies that have 120,000 employees in New Zealand it doesn't exist so that as well just from a career perspective perspective really paid off in terms of being able to see how the inner workings of these huge groups um so yeah it seemed like a crazy decision at the time but probably the best thing I ever did in my life it's hmm. pretty incredible what would you say is the best piece of queer advice you've ever received? So um, there's a lot of advice around there to like follow your passions and stuff. I'm really not a big fan of that, that piece of advice because you can only be passionate about something you've already tried in the past. Um, so I don't like follow your passions so much. It can work sometimes, but not all the time. And a coach told me, don't follow your passions, follow your natural strengths figure out what comes easy to you, what comes naturally to you, what energizes you because you're naturally good at it. It's all linked to neuroscience, right? When you're working on things that come easily to you, it releases dopamine, it feels good. You become good at it. It's such mm -hmm. a virtuous cycle. So figure out what your natural strengths are and what comes easier to you than most. Um, and then follow that and craft a career around that. I also say like craft a career around your strengths and around your values. So what you do and how you want to do it. And then everything will follow. Don't worry about the title. Don't worry about the money. Don't worry about the, all that kind of stuff. Because when you follow that, the fulfillment will come, the money will come because you'll be naturally excellent at what you're doing. You'll be passionate about it. Like everything follows from there. So I would say that's my number one piece of career advice. Appreciate you sharing that. Rosie, where can people find out more about you and the work that you're doing? Yeah, sure. So I definitely recommend people come and check out my YouTube channel because I'm, I'm dropping videos on there every week where I do lots of mini tutorials and all kinds of stuff on resumes, LinkedIn, job hunt, um, finding your purpose, knowing what your strengths are, all that good stuff. So that's just youtube.com slash badass careers. Um, I am at badass careers on Instagram. So come and say hi, send me a DM and let me know that you've listened to the, the episode. Um, yeah, those would be my two, two main places. And then on LinkedIn, I'm just on linkedin.com slash in slash Rosie career coach. Love it. 
we'll definitely toss links to all of those places into our show notes. And thank you so much again for joining us. It's been a real pleasure having this conversation with you. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. And thanks for the great questions. We will call it a wrap uh, with that. Thank you so much for joining us this week. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Pecose. Our guest on the Career Builders podcast today was Rosie McCarthy. Check her out. Stay well. We hope you'll join us again soon. Bye for now.